bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad man. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. If I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your ass. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. If you know me, you know I love sports. And today, we'll take a look at sports through a different prism. Here next, on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant, and I'm driving my car safely and legally communicating on my phone. Minnesota law allows a driver to use their cell phone to make calls, text, listen to music or podcasts, and get directions by voice command or single-touch activation without holding your phone. Violations are very The National Safety Council reports that cell phone use while driving leads to 1.6 million crashes per year and nearly 400,000 injuries are caused by texting and driving. Not surprising, since four seconds with your eyes off the road is like driving the length of a football field blindfolded. And research shows that just two seconds increases the risk of an accident up to 24 times. Texting may only take a second, but it can end your life or ruin it forever. Please, drive safely and stay alive. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the JB's Low Tech Podcast. As I stated earlier, if you know me, you know I love sports. And today I wanted to take a different look at it. And uh, I have a guest who will help me do that. His name is Darren Doogie Wilson. And Doogie is the star of the Scoops and the Scoops Podcast. Also, you can see him on locally here in Minneapolis, St. Paul on Channel 5 Sports. And on Score North uh, Radio from time to time. So i just like to welcome Doogie. Hey, Doogie, how you doing? What's up, JB? I appreciate you welcoming me on. Are you sure about Star? Like, <laughs> do I have to pay you to say Star? I mean, that's a loose... I'm just telling you, JB, like, a lot of people would say, what the heck are you calling him a Star for? But <laughs> I've tried to carve out a niche, and right. know, thankfully it's lasted for... At least the time being, until they kick me the heck out, right? Until Hubbard Broadcasting maybe comes to its senses and says, Hey, Dukes, we don't need you anymore. I'll keep it going as long as I can. Well, you uh, provide uh, great content, uh, and I don't think they'd be getting 
moving on from you anytime soon. Knock on wood. So, well, um, I appreciate that. Yeah, knock on whatever <laughs> for sure on that. Right. Well, as I do with all my guests, can you uh, kind of give us an origin story of your beginnings and what got you into uh, sports journalism? Sure. Well, I mean, JB, I oftentimes tell people I pretty much went from finger painting to <laughs> media. Right. And so, you know, I played sports. I grew up in West St. Paul, other side of the river, now live in the West Metro, but other side of the river, grew right. up in West St. Paul, went to Henry Sibley High School, the former Henry Sibley mm-hmm. High School, now Two Rivers High School. That's a different conversation. <laughs> I would have gone with West Heights myself. Right. I did not like the choice of Two Rivers, but nonetheless, that's my high school alma mater. Played sports through ninth grade. Just wasn't talented enough to keep going, specifically baseball, basketball, but always had a passion, a strong passion for sports. Entering my senior year in high school at Henry Sibley, there was a mentorship program that the school offered. Mm -hmm. And so I signed up for it, and the instructor had a student the previous year do a mentorship with Dave Dahl from Channel 5, the longtime meteorologist. You know, Dave is... One of my favorite people on this planet. We miss him dearly. Yes, we at do. Channel 5. So she had a standing relationship with Hubbard Broadcasting, with Dave Dahl. She knew my passion for sports because we sat down, we talked about, you know, my interests. And she found out, okay, this young man really likes sports. Let me reach out to Dave to see if Joe Schmidt, the sports director at Channel 5, would be interested in serving as a mentor for, for my student. So we ended up meeting with Joe. Joe took the meeting. Joe and I hit it off. I started a mentorship my senior year of high school with Joe Schmidt. I had a lot of free time, JB. Back then, you know, now it might be the same for a lot of seniors in high school now, but like I had school service with the nurse. Mm -hmm. I had study hall. Senior year was a breeze. I had a lot of free time. I was working a part-time job at a dry cleaners in West St. Paul, but I certainly had a number of free hours. So at the recommendation of my mom and dad, I was a religious listener of KFAN Radio. They said, hey, why don't you reach out to them, see if they need help in any capacity. So I did. I reached out. I ended up connecting with a guy by the name of Eric Webster. And I ended up meeting with Webby. Webby brought me under you know, his leadership, under his watch. I ended up doing some stuff, got my foot in the door at KFAN in the fall of 1996 Meantime, I was still doing that mentorship with Joe Schmidt one or two nights a week, fall of 1996. That turned into winter of 96. And, you know, as the calendar flipped to 1997, both places took a liking to me. For whatever reason, (laughs) JP, they took a liking and they welcomed me to stay. And so I ended up doing, you know, a de facto internship at KFAN, a de facto internship at Channel 5. Channel 5 did a segment way back when, when Joe Schmidt, used to play uh, golf in the spring and summer with a celebrity (laughs) called Beat the Pro. So they would go to a local golf course, they would play a hole, you know, they would have a conversation. And so they needed somebody because part of that Beat the Pro was on Saturday mornings, people could try to, you know, beat where the pro landed the ball and there were prizes involved and they needed somebody to coordinate that. So they ended up bringing me on the payroll and so I would end up on Saturday mornings going to all these different golf courses, just tracking these these players that they were trying to beat the pro for that week's segment. But then I was I was in, and at KFAN back then when when things weren't automated, JB, 
They needed to have a board op, mm-hmm. you know, just running things, 9 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, 4 in the morning. I mean, Henry Lake, one of my good buddies, who's now doing a great job at WCCO Radio, I oftentimes did the 6 to midnight shift. Then Henry would come in and do the overnights. He would do midnight to 6 a.m. So Henry and I spent a lot of time, just the two of us at KFAN way back when, 1998, 1999, you know, just having a lot of conversations, 2000. A lot of conversations. He'd get there like at 11 or 11.30. My shift went until midnight. I'd sit there until sometimes 12.30, 1 a.m., you know, just talking about life, talking sports. But then I was in, you know, and, you know, during that time, Chad Hartman, Dan Barrero uh, yes. needed some help with their afternoon show. They were they were together, you know, eventually split apart. Right. Uh, but when they were together, they needed some help, you know, somebody just tracking down some guests, finding some different stories online some different talkers so i helped out in that regard they would occasionally let me flip on the mic so i'd get a little bit of air time then kfan said hey why don't you do some top of the hour sports updates so got a little bit more air time that way and then chad hartman and dan barrero eventually split they needed somebody to go with chad and so chad and i had a good relationship i ended up working with chad was with chad hartman on kfan until january of 2009 as a sidekick producer, I would fill in host oftentimes. I was at Channel 5 until about my third year of college. I'm a University of Minnesota alum, but I just I needed some free time, JB. I was working behind the scenes at Channel 5. Mm-hmm. I was working at KFAN. I was taking three, four classes. Like I was trying to enjoy college, right? I'm right. 21 years old. Heck, I was 20. Had the fake ID. We'd oftentimes go over <laughs> to Grandma's on the West Bank, dollar beer night on Thursday night. But, like, I just didn't have enough time to myself, JB. And so I made a decision. I really liked radio. You know, maybe it was, you know, being able to turn on the mic and, and get some airtime and get some recognition that way. You know, but but I decided to tell Channel 5, thank you for everything. I just, I can't keep doing this. I need some time to myself. Right. And so I resigned my position at Channel 5. That would have been 2002, 2003, somewhere in that ballpark. You know, ended up getting my degree. After I got my degree, KFAN hired me full-time. So, yeah, I was with KFAN until they laid me off January of 2009. I worked freelance for a year. So I get laid off January of 2009. I ended up working for MLB Network. I covered the Vikings that 2009 season for CBSSports.com. So that was the NFC Championship game. You know, the debacle down mm-hmm. in New Orleans. So I was able to travel for that. So I had a good time working a, a few different freelance jobs for a year. I filled in over at Channel 9 on occasion. There was a news director over there. They really liked listening to me at KFAN. So he had me come over and read the teleprompter, do, do an audition. He liked what he saw. So I ended up doing some on-air stuff for Channel 9. That year I was covering the Vikings. The Channel 4 morning show took a liking uh, of me and, and so they invited me on their morning show a few different times so I was getting more comfortable in front of the camera during this time Joe Schmidt who had left Channel 5 a couple years previous to go work for Tom Petters who's now in jail for, for that Ponzi scheme right. <laughs> uh, Joe had left the business he wanted to spend more time with his family he didn't mm-hmm. want to work until 11 o'clock at night five nights a week so Joe had left the TV business for a couple years but then Tom Petters ends up in jail Joe's looking for a job. A couple of his kids were then off to college. So Joe then all of a sudden once again had more free time at night. And so it was a match made in heaven. Channel 5 could never adequately replace Joe. 
They had brought in a couple different sports people, the late Rod Simons. They had brought in a guy by the name of Phil Aldridge, but neither guy could really, you know, find their niche at Channel 5. So Channel 5 was looking for a sports director. They rehired Joe Schmidt early January of 2010. The first phone call Joe made, because he knew I was looking for work, was, hey, do you want to come back to Channel 5? Do you want to join me? And, you know, we'll, we'll use you on air. I mean, you've been doing this on air stuff at Channel 9 at Channel 4. I've seen you. You know, why don't you come over and, and we'll find, you know, some sort of role for you. But come join me. And so I was more than happy. And so I've been back at Channel 5 since January of 2010. I finished covering the Vikings that season for CBSSports.com. So after they lost that game in New Orleans, that, you know, that was a Sunday. That Tuesday, I signed my contract. To, to rejoin Channel 5, and I've been there ever since, JB. So, yeah, it's a combination of some on-air, some behind-the-scenes, some fill-in anchoring. So there's three of us that do on-air work at Channel 5, Joe Schmidt, Chris Long, and myself. You know, I do some different storytelling, but, you know, I also do editing. I mean, you know, nowadays you better be able to do a lot of different stuff. I mean, the only thing I don't do, and in an emergency I probably could, but is pick up a camera and shoot video right. that's on the news. But otherwise, I can edit my stories I know how to write. I know how to build graphics. I know how to put our graphics into the system. We write web stories. You know, I'm, I'm pretty good when it comes to social media. You know, so I, I just I wear a bunch of different hats for Channel Five. And then you mentioned uh, 1500 AM is now Score North Radio, right? Which is more digital. Yes. I mean, they have that 1500 frequency, but they do a lot of stuff on YouTube. It's a lot of podcasting. So I have my own podcast for them. Then I joined Judd Zolgad and Phil Mackey a couple days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So, you know, I get to I get to scratch, you know, that itch when it comes to, you know, my passion for radio. But then doing TV, you know, finding some different stories to tell, that's really fun. And, yeah, I certainly, I like to be on top of stuff. So I'm constantly texting people, wondering what the heck is going on. You know, sometimes I don't get texts back. But even this morning, like I was curious if Leandro Bomaro, a guard for the Timberwolves, will play for the Iowa Timberwolves tonight. They have their season opener in the G League. Mm -hmm. And so he's not playing many minutes for the Timberwolves. Why not have him make the trek down to Des Moines, three-and-a-half, four-hour drive? I'm curious if he'll play for the Iowa Wolves tonight. Sounds like he probably will. But like I sent a couple text messages this morning just wondering about that. So I'm just I'm always trying to be on top of stuff. It's hard. There are so many teams. Like, heck, the Whitecaps <laughs> have their opener tonight right so that's right. another team to pay attention to go for volleyball has another big significant match against the ranked team in illinois tonight so like i'm trying to pay attention to everything but it's hard like admittedly it's hard i've got a 10 year old and a seven year old now and i don't want to miss their sporting events right. you and i connected a few weeks ago at one of my son's right I baseball was, games you I guys was, were playing on, on an adjacent field yep. and so i'm not going to miss that stuff and if you remember that was the day of I believe it was the Vikings Bengals game. Yes, you probably saw me. Like I'm watching the game on my phone, right? So <laughs> yeah, I'm you told to me to. You know what's going on on the field, but then I'm watching the game on my phone. <laughs> right. so it's a lot of stuff like that, but I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. No, you told me to get basically get away from you. You were trying to work and watch your kids. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I would never tell you to get away from me. But that's like you know that's what I'm dealing with. I mean, older son has a basketball tournament on sunday at egan high school right and so he's got games at 8 a.m 11 a.m and 1 p.m and so the vikings are in baltimore to play the ravens i can watch the game on my phone you know then when i get home i'll dvr the game on the tv i can come home mm -hmm. i can watch it back and then we tape you know when it's a noon vikings game we tape our tv segment at 6 15 
So that segment airs on Channel 45, the 9 o'clock news on Sunday night at about 9.40. Then it airs on Channel 5, the, the Channel 5 Sunday night news at 10.40. And so, much like we're doing right now, where you post-produce your your podcast, yep. we can post-produce you know, those segments and drop in video where it's timely. But then there are times, like last Sunday night, Vikings-Cowboys game ends at 10.32, we were on set doing a live breakdown of the game at 10:36, 10:37, right on Channel Five. So it just depends on, you know, just how the how the day unfolds in terms of what time you know the the Vikings play or the Gophers play on a Saturday. You know how I how I manage my schedule. But I've done a decent job. I can always be better. You know, I can always be there more for the family. I can probably be more there work wise at times. But you know, it's just it's always trying to find that. That happy medium. I don't know if I'll ever find it, but I'm, I'm trying my best to find it. Well, um, one question for you. Uh, the nickname Doogie, did you get that during the uh, Chad and Barrero days? I did, JB. So, Eric Webster, Sam Sigelman, a combination, Chad Abbott, who still runs KFAN. Yes. It was one of those three. If you recall the, the TV show Doogie Hauser MD. Right, yep. You know, way back in 1997, it was still pretty darn popular. It was popular in syndication. And so, you know, they said, hey, we've got this 16-year-old. that didn't turn 17 until late January of 1997. So when I started at KFA and I was 16 years old, they said, hey, like, you're a child prodigy. Like, you're good at what you do. You know, again, subjective. But they thought I have to be good at what I was doing. I was helping them out. And so they, they attached the nickname Doogie. Now, the obvious comeback to that, JB, is, like, if, if I was smart enough to be a doctor, right, do you think I would have gone the sports media route? I'd be an attorney or I'd be right. a doctor right now. So I do think there's, there's some chuckle there when, when people think about the nickname Doogie. Like, if, really, if I was any sort of child prodigy, certainly I was not, but if I was any sort of child prodigy, I would not be working in sports media. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's uh, that's the case for most of us. Um, so you pretty much hit all the places you've worked at. How um, lately, with all the different things this country has gone through and whatnot, um, how would you, I guess, call your style? Because there's many different styles out there: um, investigative, tabloid, bloidish, you know. How would you call yours? Or just maybe it's just straight factual. Well, it's certainly not straight factual because I opine plenty, right? Especially when I'm doing the radio. You know, to me, good radio is is you're giving your opinion, then backing up said opinion, right? And so I don't like when somebody just kind of toes the line, plays both sides. I just don't think that's real good radio, or you know, in this day and age, you know, YouTube content, you know, digital type content. So especially when I'm doing score north work, you know, I'm providing my opinion plenty. I'd like to think I'm a realist, you know, but I try to strike the balance, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, I'm not like, for example, right? The gopher football team kicks off here in a few minutes against Illinois. Right. Right. Even this week with the PJ Fleck contract extension. I mean, you know, uh, (laughs) there's some media in town that just can't stand PJ. Right. And I try to take that out of it, personal feelings, (laughs) And I just look at it and say, okay, like, if he leaves, are you really going to do better? And who cares what I, 
you know, a 41-year-old male thinks. It's about what 18 to 22-year-olds think. You know, those 16 and 17-year-old high school kids he's recruiting. It's more about what they think. You know, and I know that culture is a popular buzzword in sports. I'm not even quite sure how to define culture. It's it's an overused way of saying this is how we do things. Yes, but all I know is it seems it's pretty darn genuine that to a man that a majority of those players really thoroughly enjoy playing for P.J. Fleck. Now, we've seen some kids transfer, right, in the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. Curtis Dunlap, the offensive lineman, right? Uh, The running back, Cam Wiley. To me, that's inevitable with every program because, bottom line, kids want to play, and so if you're not playing, you're not going to just stay and be a backup because you happen to like the coach. But him even signing his extension after practice the other day, it seemed like, you know, I'd heard that there was, you know, pretty darn good excitement around that. And we can debate, you know, these college coaches being, you know, overly compensated that, you know, name image likeness should have come a long time ago for these kids to earn, you know, some sort of income if they can. We can have that debate. But I just know that that when PJ signed that contract extension in front of the team the other day, it seemed like there was genuine excitement, right? So, like, well, I, I get I get that he takes a lot of heat. But, like, again, I'm trying to be a realist, you know. And, and mm-hmm. you know, he came close in 19 to winning the Big Ten West. They certainly have a legit chance to win the West this year. Like, I'm not going to slam the guy or the program when he's having a decent amount of success. And so that's that's where, to me, I'm a realist. I was at the Wolves game last night. They were up 20, ended up losing by 20. I'm going to rip them for that. It was a lot of hero ball last night. It was a lot of one pass and shoot or just shoot. Settling right. for a lot of three-pointers. So... As I'm sitting there watching the game, analyzing it, I'm going to rip them to shreds. And I think Chris Finch is a really good coach. I can look big picture and say, I know from talking to people in the league, he's a brilliant offensive mind. Where is that? Because it's not coming to fruition on the court. Right. And so, you know, so if I need to be critical, I'll be critical. Uh, I'd like to think I'm a realist. More than anything, I'm a realist. Right. What was the... um, What was the... um team motto a couple of years ago for the Wolves is something they something we run or run we something or something it was something about running and now uh, yeah and that's when they weren't playing any defense right yeah, I don't remember it was you know run with the pack or, you know something it's, along those lines should, but you know they were playing a lick of defense now they're actually playing some defense right. but the offense is 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 abysmal you know so yeah I mean there's all these different team mottos I don't I don't get too caught up with that. You know, I'm, I'm not one also. I mean, I, I think there's some media in town, especially some bloggers that get access, especially when it comes to gopher sports, something, you know, close to you and me, uh, that, you know, never in a million years could they say anything critical because they might feel like their credentials right, might are in jeopardy. You know, like yeah. I've, never thought, I've never thought along those lines. I mean, again, like I'm going to be a realist. But, yeah, you know, you mentioned, you know, being investigative. Yeah, I mean – Sure. Uh, you know, to what extent, though? I mean, like on Gerson Rosas, the former Timberwolves mm-hmm. president of operations, I'd heard, you know, that, that he was having this affair way back in, in mid-August. That in early August at Las Vegas Summer League, he was spotted at the win in Vegas holding, holding hands with this woman that's not his wife. But, like, my understanding all along has been it's a consenting relationship. To me, that's not necessarily my business, 
And so, like, you know, you mentioned investigative. There's a lot of things I hear, but then I need to, to critically think. I need to bring up with, with you know, my, my colleagues, especially Joe Schmidt, somebody who's done this for a really long time. We'll have conversations. Okay. Does it make sense to put so in, you know, so out, you know, in terms of, you know, hearing something? And sometimes, you know, we don't. But I, I hear stuff all the time. I mean, I just saw an NBA story that the, that the league is 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 uh, doing this investigation with the Portland Trailblazers. That there's been some bullying in the in the Portland Trailblazers front office. You, you hear a lot of stories like that here in town. I mean, we heard some of that, you know, with Gerson Rosa. Right. Some of the other teams in town, you hear stuff like that. But to me, like sports is cutthroat, JB. You know it better than I do. It's, <laughs> yes, it's a business, especially at the collegiate level. So mm-hmm. let's not pretend. You know, like you know. Culture, popular buzzword. I'll, I'll give you another one that, that just drives me crazy. Student athlete. <laughs> uh, just give me a break, student. Yes, they are students. Right. And yes, they are athletes, but student athletes, so overused. Oh, uh, just, it makes well, me want to vomit, JB. <laughs> and so, well, you know, there's, there's, there's stuff along those lines, but, but like, I, I, I realize how, how competitive it is, how cutthroat it is. And so at times... It's not always going to be peaches and cream. There's going to be a lot of frustration. There's going to be some negativity. You know, if you want to call it call it bullying, maybe. <laughs> you know, um, but I just think that's that's part of sports. That's part of life. You know, it's not always going to be perfect. It's just not. Well, they um, part of what they call bullying. I think m- me is personally is me trying to be a boss and assert themselves, but. That's, I guess, a deeper conversation. Um, the other, the other fact, student athlete. I think they're more. I think they're. It's a weird combination because from when I was in college, thirteen percent of like basketball and football players would graduate. Now it's in the seventies to eighty percent. So they are being more of a student, but there's a lot more handholding going on. But I I get what you say about the term student athlete. Now with PJ's contract extension, I'm gonna be honest with you. I thought it was too soon. Maybe a couple well, where was of games. He going? Okay, so number I'll, one, where was right. where was he going? Where was he going? Right, USC, Nowhere. no. Right now, he's got a shrewd agent, Brian Harlan. That's Kevin Harlan's brother. Brian Harlan mm-hmm. is PJ Flex agent. He is good. So, do I think he could have cre- created the perception that USC had interest, or maybe with this buzz that James Franklin is going to end up at USC, that that Penn State would have had interest in PJ? I think Brian could have created that. Maybe Mark Coyle thought it was inevitable that one of those schools would come calling. Florida State did at least have a little bit of interest a couple years ago in interviewing P.J., not in hiring P.J., but in interviewing P.J. His name came up for the Tennessee job in recent years. There was a little bit of Missouri buzz in recent time. You know, so I think his agent can create some of that. I think some of it is legit, though. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, like, it's time to beat Iowa. Right. You know, he's only got one <laughs> win against Wisconsin. He doesn't yes. have a win against Iowa. It's time to it's time to take that next step. Now I think they can do it. Like they should win today against Illinois. And frankly, JB, they should win next week with all the experience they have. Mm-hmm. All these twenty three year olds. It's an old roster. Yes, very old in team. In terms of the guys that play. Mm-hmm. Of course they have a lot of 
redshirt freshmen and freshmen, you know, on, it, on the on the third team. But in terms right. of the twenty two that regularly play offense and defense, all uh, not all, but a lot of those kids are really really old for college. They are super uber experienced. It's time to use that experience, that talent too. They have some they have some NFL talent, both sides of the ball. It's time to take that experience and talent and beat the Hawkeyes. I expect them to win a week from today in Iowa City. So it's time for PJ to 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 do some more. But like the the November nineteen win over Penn State, the bowl win over Auburn, he has done some good. But do I get where you're coming from that it could have at least waited? Let's see how this year plays out. Mm-hmm. Do they get to Indianapolis? Do they, heck, maybe win the Big Ten championship game? Let's see. Now, if they had done some of that, JB, the price goes up. So maybe Mark Coyle was 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 thinking along those lines that, hey, uh, you know, if, if we get to Indianapolis, heck, if we, if we beat, let's say, Ohio State or Michigan State in the Big Ten championship game or Michigan, whomever it might be, uh, you know, it's not 5.1. It's more like, you know, six you know i mean we'd have to go higher and so uh maybe this is this is a nice happy medium i also think there's a genuineness i really do jb call me nuts but i think pj really likes it here i think his wife heather likes it here i think it's a good uh situation for the two of them that co-parent that that for their kids that are not here full time that it's an easy location to get to that if pj for example went to los angeles it might make things a bit more difficult for him to see his children. Uh, not impossible, but more difficult. And so, uh, you know, he loves being on the water. He's got a chance to be on the water here a lot. Uh, he doesn't take a whole lot of heat, uh, certainly on game day. And, you know, the bandwagon will fill up, especially, you know, let's say they win next week at Iowa. And, you know, again, presuming victory against Illinois, the bandwagon is going to fill up heading into those final two games, the Indiana game, the Wisconsin game. Uh, but if they lose, I mean, even going back to the Bowling Green loss, as bad as that <laughs> loss was, JB, you know, it disappeared pretty quick because this I is just... a Vikings town. The Vikings play the next day, and, you know, things change so fast. Monday here in town, it's a lot of Vikings talk, not Gophers talk. And so, you know, PJ can do his thing. He can have an impact in the community like he likes to have. He can get enough recruits here. Uh, he can win at a high enough level, but, you know, he can lose some games and he doesn't take a ton of heat. Like, could you imagine some of his clock management issues? Because PJ needs a lot of working. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm a realist. I think he's a good coach, a really good coach, Sunday to Friday. His Saturday coaching needs work, specifically clock management. Could you imagine uh, if he was the coach in Knoxville, Tennessee, or somewhere in the SEC, you know, if he managed the clock like he does... He would get destroyed, JB. He would get hammered. That doesn't happen here in town. So to me, PJ PJ has the best of both worlds. That that he does get scrutinized, but not like he would at so many other locations. But the bandwagon can fill up. He can make his millions of dollars. He can live the life away from the facility, off the field that he wants to live. I I just think I my personal thoughts, and this is for somebody who was deeper in the program that just to uh reward him now without you know the wins against iowa and wisconsin just one i shouldn't say wins the one win that was against wisconsin it's not enough 
<clears throat> has not won the West. Um, now he has a chance to do so, but to me, you wait until that happens. But also, I'm not sure who, you know, and this is going to come out and be controversial, and I'm not a controversial person, but I don't know who's truly making that decision with him because you have an AD who's also looking to go. So, who's yeah, been rumored I mean, to... Yeah, there's always been that Kentucky buzz, right? Well, I there's been more than... The Kentucky job opens. Right, but there's been rumors of, you know, the, when the Kansas job was open, his name was tied to it. and Yeah, USC. In yeah. Missouri and other places. And it just feels like and sounds like, to me, he wants to get out of here because it's... I don't know. It's a place where it's not... It's it Even though, you know, PJ may have a, a great year... It's a very stagnant place because you can't, for some reason, you can't, at least he can't, fundraise here. And mm-hmm. the place is in debt. Let's face it. The debt service oh, yeah. on the stadium and the athletic village is choking the life out of the program in a lot of ways. And my other thought about overpaid college coaches, to me, these are state-run institutions and the amount of money they pay and not only that, the buyouts that they give is just criminal. I don't know. I don't know any other state institution that would be allowed to just throw money down <laughs> down the toilet that way. But that's just me personally, uh, you know. And I guess, and people will say, "Well, you just have that attitude because you know you you're not there anymore." Well, it has an effect on people like me who, you know, turn around and lose their jobs. You know, well, it, you lived it. Yeah, right. I, mean, I watched you know it. You right. know it better than just about anybody that that will listen to this. So I, I hope your words resonate <laughs> with those folks. My one comeback to you, JB, would be the TV money is so stupidly high. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it is so ridiculous. But it's then, in a different stratosphere. Not only the Big Ten Network, right? You know, if if you if you have a chance to, you know. Get to get to you know the the college football playoffs. Some of the money involved with that, you know, Michigan State did pop up a few years ago, so it's not impossible. Unlikely, yes, but impossible, no. There is an opportunity. You know, might be once a decade, once every two decades, but you know, there there can be an opportunity to maybe be that four seed. You know, or eventually the college football playoff will expand. I oh, think yeah. to eight or twelve teams. So there's more money involved in that. So just because. Again, it's it's a big time business. Some people forget that, right? Because you yep. get college and and you know it, it is it's a business. It just is. It's a big money business. <laughs> well, but I you know watching the decisions that were made, sports being cut, uh, people lo- losing their livelihoods. You know, coaches come and go, and there were some coaches who lost their jobs, but it's the people underneath that layer that, you know, had their, you know, secretaries and uh, other people who work in college athletics who were swept away when that decision was made, and that's just hard, not me personally, but others, that was just hard to swallow, because yeah, well, then the yeah, other thing no that... Doubt. I mean- you know, Caitlin in the in the men's basketball right. office. I mean, you know, I, I don't know her real well, but but we have some mutual friends. Like she ends up losing her job. That was 
that was so unfortunate, right? And now you see PJ Fleck getting this nice right. raise. <clears throat> you know, the assistant coaches getting a raise, and I get it. Football drives the bus, right? Football, mm-hmm. you know, runs in many ways the athletic department. But when you see somebody get a significant raise like this, and maybe he could have gotten more if if him and his agent had waited, but it's still a significant raise. When you see that sort of money going to PJ, and you know of, of people who have lost their jobs who were making what sixty grand a year, seventy, right. eighty grand <laughs> no. a year, ninety grand a year. I mean, probably not even six figures. You know, or if they were making six figures, just a, a little north of you know six figures. Right. Uh, you know, certainly not one hundred and fifty thousand or anything no. like that. You know, maybe can... maybe one hundred and ten thousand or something. But point is, not not a ton of money yet. You know, the university uh, laid off a number of people, and it was rough for a lot of people, right, the last 18 months with the pandemic. Right. Um, I would yeah, tell I you that... It. It's, oh. it's really hard. I, I understand that side of things, and that's where, that's where, to me, it's a very complex issue. I don't have, I don't have the answer. I, I don't, right. uh, well, and I don't have a strong opinion either way. Uh, I do think that, you know, Mike Burns and some others, you know, with some of the programs that have been let go, mm-hmm. lay out very compelling cases uh, you know, and so uh, you could convince me that, that it was a mistake to, to cut sports. You absolutely can't convince me. But I also do know that football drives so much. And so football, you know, not everybody's going to be treated equally. I mean, that's life. Right. Uh, but in this instance, not everybody is going to be treated equally. You cannot treat the uh, men's gymnastics program, what was of the men's gymnastics program, the same you treat the football program. You just can't. No. Football's in a different, you know, on a different pedestal. Um, so that to me, that that's where it's it's a very complex issue. Well, I'll just tell you, a lot of those people underneath the coaching level were making you know f- less than fifty thousand dollars. So yeah, and that's yeah. what stings because you know they it was like okay, we could circle this group and remove them, and that will boost this. But uh, also, I then I turn around with the knowledge of knowing that. Um, when you you talked about the TV money, when that check's cut and it shows up at the doorstep, it's gone, basically gone from the time that it shows up, because sure. of <clears throat> you know you have to look at things like yes you have to take care of football and basketball and here in Minnesota hockey, but then you know we have a uh, we have some darn good women's athletic teams. And Title IX says they have to be treated, and sports are compared to each other in that realm. You know, you have to take a sport and compare it to football. You have to take a sport and compare it to men's basketball. You you have to have a sport to compare it to men's hockey, which we have women's hockey. And, you know, it keeps going down the line, down the line, down the line. And it's, uh, you know, we've uh, had... And I'll finish this section by saying this. We've had a federal investigation on how we treat, Title IX investigation on how we treat uh, female athletes. And I was part of that because they would have to come and check what we would buy for them. And it was almost comical to think that we would buy less quality stuff for the women than the men. But that was part of their investigation to the point that I had to pull stuff off the shelf for each team and 
show them that we were literally buying the same exact things for men's athletics and women's athletics. Yeah, and, and, and I'm glad that, that you did that and, and the university was on board with that, but let's not forget, you know, the women's Final Four not that long ago and, you know, yep. the the weight room they mm-hmm. had compared to the to the men, right? So, you know, there are different examples where where it's not equal. And right. Title IX says it's supposed to be equal, and it's not equal. And so I understand the investigation. I'm just glad that when you were there that, that you took care of the women. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was almost laughable, laughable in one way because I looked at the investigator and I said, you and I could have spent 15 minutes in the hallway and I could have told you, just pointed at athletes and said, told you which team they are and <laughs> and, tell, and you could notice what stuff because it was all because we're a Nike school and it's all provided by Nike and it's all pre-designed and we all buy the same stuff. So yep. it was yep. it, it was just kind of comical, but um but the other thing it brought about was we actually did figure out per student af and I know you hate this per athlete we spend more on the female athlete dollar wise and like at least in equipment than we do males. So that's just an interesting tidbit for that people. That is interesting because I would imagine that football, the equipment involved with football would start to add up and so with you know 100 plus football players not all on scholarship i get that but right. but all the equipment that football has if you had asked me more money spent men or women uh, so that's interesting to me jb i would have thought men because of football right but i mean you you get in some of these teams like women's gymnastics and all the clothing that you buy for them and yeah and outfits and whatnot it's it's uh it can be kind of mind-blowing well we're gonna take a break here doogie i'm gonna uh i need to run a commercial spot and then we'll come back and we'll take a uh look at some other aspects of uh sport coverage here in, in town and nationally and um when we come back here on the jb's low tech podcast well folks the season is finally here what season baseball and softball season of course are you ready what about you players out there are you ready is your equipment ready what about that glove you've been using what about that uniform you've been wearing year after year well I tell you what if it needs to be repaired bring it to JB's glove repair he'll have you together I'm still here JB so I'll be ready let me just flip on I'm gonna flip on the game with over 30 plus years of experience he'll have you ready by game time that's J-A-Y-B-E-E-S glove repair now hear this now hear this Bantan and Sting a touchdown again, Chris. For every man, woman, boy, and girl, cause we are spirits in a material world. Alright, I'm still here, Jamie. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Um, 
and this is all totally my fault, but uh, I forgot to, to have our guests <laughs> remain quiet during the commercial break. <laughs> Because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I got the gift of gab, baby. That can be a good thing or a bad thing. I can't figure out how to silence because <clears throat> I use, basically I use my cell phone to record this. I do have a mixing board and a interface and my computer. Those are the pieces that I use to <clears throat> produce this. But there's no way of muting because I run my commercials through my phone. Because I don't have a second phone. <laughs> ah, <I'm> sorry, baby. <laughs> no, that's fine. I've had Mich- <laughs> I've had Michelle Tafoya on, who drove her son to baseball practice. I've had Tom Bernard on. Uh, as you know, I did the KQ Morning Show with both. Oh of yeah. Them. <laughs> oh yeah, you're radio immortality. Yeah. Absolutely, I was, love limo. Michelle to me is limo. Yeah, uh, I forget who at KFAN back in the day nicknamed I limo. Think it was it that was, was shortly after she went network, but right. it could have been Barrero or I don't know who it was. It but, was I think yeah, it was so I, just, I know her as limo, but I love Michelle. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, it was, um, <laughs> and with Tom Bernard's grandchildren walked in. Because <laughs> they wanted to be on, they wanted to be on. I guess their mother told them that he was doing a podcast with me, and they wanted to be on my podcast. So they oh, burst into the, burst into the room and started talking. Oh, so, that's fantastic! <clears throat> now that's good stuff. I tell people all the time, this is real life, um, and I just let it happen on this show. Uh, let it just, happen organically, absolutely. right? That's just like John. There's a former wide receiver, now actor John Bentley. I interviewed him for the podcast, and his his phone was tied to his car somehow, and his son kept going in the car and starting the car. <laughs> so <clears throat> these things happen on my podcast, and guess what? I don't flip out about it. I just let it happen, and and I don't take it out in production. I just. I, you know, I produce it, and I let people have a laugh about it, so. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Right. I mean, nobody's going to stop listening. If you're invested in the podcast, <laughs> trust me, people are just going to get a laugh about right. it. So, when COVID hit Doogie, and sports shut down, and whatnot, uh, when you guys came back, things changed. So, I kind of want to get your insights on how do you handle things during the shutdown, but then, post that, when you came back, how uh, sports teams handled the media, and uh, how that changed things for you. Well, sure. Well, okay, let's go sequentially. So, let's go back to March of 2020. Things shut down approximately, what, March 12th, March 13th, really, until Major League Baseball ramped up in July, mid to late July, there wasn't much, right? So if you think about pretty much two weeks of March, most of, you know, April, if not all of April, there might have been something early April. You know, May into June, into July now, NFL training camps eventually ramped up. There were some things happening where we had some access. Like I remember Vikings training camp 2020. We had access, but, you know, had to wear masks, and we had to be a really far distance away. Right. You know, and it helped that it was outside. That the proof then, and it still pretty much remains to this day, that COVID just 
doesn't spread like it does indoors. You know, it can spread mm-hmm. uh, outside. You're not fully protected outside, but for the most part, you're offered a lot more protection outside compared to inside. And so the Vikings felt comfortable. The NFL felt comfortable. Hey, you know, you can cover training camp, but it just it has to be from a distance. You know, in terms of interviews, those were all done via Zoom. But like most of April, May into June, you know, we at Channel 5 just tried to get creative. You know, with no live sports happening, it was a lot of going down memory lane. Let's catch up via Zoom with Mike Tice. Let's catch up via Zoom with Kent Herbeck. You know, let's do a lot of where is this person now type stories. And so, you know, we went through our Rolodex. Thankfully, you know, among the three of us, Chris Long, Joe Schmidt, and me, you know, we have, you know, thanks to Joe being uh, a sports anchor and reporter here in town for the better part of 35 years, we have collectively like 75 years of Twin Cities experience. So we know a lot of people. So I didn't even know what the heck Zoom was February of 2020, (laughs) JB. And now, you know, I've probably done over 250 Zoom interviews since March of 2020. I actually use Zoom to this day, even though we're doing a lot more in person now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a chance... You know, in the past where, you know, I might only be able to do a phone interview with somebody, I can now do a video interview. I caught up with Jim Tressel, the former Ohio State football coach, a week or two ago. Uh, P.J. Fleck has openly talked a number of times about the impact Tressel has had on him, even though they only spent one year together. Uh, P.J. was, I believe it was 2005 or 2006, a graduate assistant for Jim Tressel. So P.J. has oftentimes talked about the impact Trestle's had on him. I've never heard Jim Trestle talk about P.J. Fleck. And so I reached out. You know, he's now the president at Youngstown State University. Reached out to him via email. He got back to me and said, yeah, happy to do it. Well, in years past, we would have had to just do a phone interview. You know, now you do it via video, and it's pretty high-quality video, and you can use it on TV. And so, you know, from that standpoint, Zoom is a good thing. I caught up with Max Williams, the former Gophers tight end. Mm-hmm the other day the arizona cardinals have this beautiful studio the lighting is perfect the audio the picture is perfect on on a nice apple computer and so max did it from the cardinals facility you would have thought it was a satellite tv interview the way it was lit and the picture and the audio quality it was perfect and so zoom is now another option in my world and so you know i'm not i'm not anti you know, Zooms. But at times, do I think Zooms can, you know, I don't want to use the word lazy, but like instead of me having to, you know, physically go to, let's say, Mayo Clinic Square to interview Chris Finch, Timberwolves head coach, you know, you can just do it from the comfort of your living room, right? And so I don't want to fall into that trap too often, but it is a good, you know, option when needed. Like the Wilds are on the road. Uh, next week. I'm trying to catch up with Bill Guerin, Wild General Manager. Right. Uh, I'm okay doing it via Zoom. I'd rather do it in person, but I want to catch up with him sooner rather than later. So instead of waiting, you know, a week or two or three when he's back in town and we can carve out a time that works for both him and I, you know, I don't mind doing it over Zoom. And so, you know, I'm not I'm not anti-Zoom at all, but it has changed the way we, we certainly certainly do things. Uh, but we're pretty much back in person now. Uh, you know, the Timberwolves welcome us at practice. We do have to prove to them that we're vaccinated. Uh, and so, you know, if you're not vaccinated, you're not welcome at <laughs> yeah. Timberwolves practice. But but I am vaccinated, proud to say I'm vaccinated. And so 
you know, I have access to, to Wolves practice. Uh, the Wild, you know, we're back in person. Uh, the one difference would be it's not an open locker room. And same with the Timberwolves. Same with the Vikings. Uh, open locker rooms do not exist anymore. And that's my fear <laughs> that those are now, you know, dead period. Uh, you know, they just bring a few guys to a podium. So they create six feet of separation, guy at the podium, media at least six feet away. You know, locker rooms post-game can be really, really crowded. But here's where I miss open locker room. I'll give you an example. So, you know, two Vikings, former Vikings that I had good relationships with. Kyle Rudolph, Stephen Weatherly. Vikings game ends. I'm at the game. Vikings game ends. Okay, I go down to the locker room. Yeah, it's a mess. There's a lot of media in the locker room. And so, you know, you're doing interviews that, that turn into interviews with five other reporters, right? Five or six reporters are surrounding a player, firing questions at the player, whatever. Get enough that we can use on TV. But I would loiter, JB. I would stay in the locker room until the last possible second, until the last player was in there, until Viking security would say, okay, Dukes, nobody's in here anymore. It's time for you to go. <laughs> I would stay in there as late as I could because I would then pull a Rudolph or a Weatherly or somebody else aside, and I would get some insight off camera. On background, okay, Kyle, you know, tell me on that third and five, that key play, really tell me. I, I know you gave me the, you know, the on-air answer that you had to give me, but give me, give me the real answer. Give, give, or give me, expound on it. Give, give me a, a little bit more thought on that. You know, I'm not recording this, Kyle. I'm not going to use your name, but just so I have the background, just so when I talk tonight or tomorrow on TV or radio, you know, I can sound somewhat intelligent. I can add a little bit more insight. And so, you know, I would oftentimes be able to pull somebody aside, JB, and, and they would give me really good information. We don't have that anymore. You know, without an open locker room, I can't pull a player aside after a game and get some deep knowledge. And that's, that's what I miss more than anything. And I'm just telling you, my fear is, you know, what's the point in, in reopening locker rooms? You know, all media can get enough, right? If they bring two or three players to the podium, the coach to the podium, you know, that's their sanctuary, the locker room, and, and I understand that. But I'm just telling you, like, I don't know if Major League Baseball, the National Hockey League, uh, you know, the four main sports, I don't do a whole lot of MLS, uh, but if you want to include MLS as well, but, but certainly Major League Baseball, the National Hockey League, the National Basketball Association, the National Football League, I just don't know, J.B., if they're ever going to let us back in locker rooms. And so that, to me, is a significant change from years past. Well, and for uh, I know if I've heard this from other people. Like, I, I listen to Pat Royce religiously. Yeah, great. Um, yeah. And him and I don't always agree, by the way. Right, but, I know that. You know, he's, he's a teddy bear. I mean, he lives... He lives two minutes from us. He's got a pool in his backyard. He constantly texts me, says, hey, to the boys, want to come over and go swimming. He's just, I don't think people realize how generous right. Patrick is. He has let my wife and I, before he sold his Fort Myers condo, let us go down there, stay at his place in Fort Myers for a week. I tried to pay him for it. He wouldn't take my money. Uh, he let me use his car down there. Mm -hmm. He had a car down there. He yes. had his garage and he had his convertible down there. He said, hey, the keys are in the drawer. You know, take my car. I'm like, I'll pay you for all this. He would not take my money. I just, <laughs> I wish people knew the teddy bear that Patrick Royce is. So Patrick's one of my guys. But sports-wise, like, you know, he thinks PJ is, you know, a joke, right? 
And so him and I disagree on PJ. That's okay. You know, disagreement is, is especially civil disagreement, is mm-hmm. not a bad thing. No. Like, let's have a legit conversation. Now, if we start turning it personal, calling each other bad names, okay, no reason to do that. Nope. But, you know, Patrick and I having a civil discussion about why he can't stand PJ Fleck, and, you know, maybe PJ and I aren't the closest to people, but we're about the same age, so I can relate to PJ. Uh, but I'm telling you, like, more than anything, I know kids love PJ. And so, you know, Patrick and I can have those discussions. And so he's one of my guys. So I'm glad when I hear you say you listen to him, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> well, um, I, on the spectrum, I fall in between you two guys. So, but, um, but I hear him lament the fact that he can't go into locker rooms anymore. He can't pull somebody aside. And that teams are using COVID basically as a weapon to uh, control content and control the media and whatnot and that is you know to me disturbing to hear when they because um, he feels the same way that you do the the locker room interview has probably gone by the wayside and and teams are probably happier for it because they're always fearful what one of you guys may pick up on in a locker room you might be interviewed that doesn't mean we won't get one-on-one access right but I don't think it's going to happen anymore immediately after games. Right. On a Thursday, if I want to request a one-on-one interview with, let's say, Everson Griffin, or you name the Viking, I can still I can still execute those. I had a conversation with Garrett Bradbury a few weeks ago, one-on-one. I can still get some one-on-one type interviews, but I just miss heat of the moment after a game, getting that really cool insight. I'm with Patrick. Like I just don't see why leagues would ever go back to it media can get enough when guys just come to a podium and so you know from their standpoint the coverage is still there it's not like media is going to stop covering them uh and so yeah i just i have a hard time believing uh locker rooms will ever be open again you know i hope i'm wrong but i just i have a hard time seeing it yeah it's um there you know for people like me who have been around it long enough there's you know and I know things that you guys don't know, but then still seeing things when you guys would cover the locker room would uh, even crystallize things for me even more. And I forgot to tell uh, one thing about our dis- earlier discussion about uh, go for football in the remaining part of the schedule. I forgot to bring up a name. Brett Bielema is in town today. So he is. To- be very, and I wanted to say this before kickoff, and now it's after kickoff. Be very afraid. Be <laughs> be afraid. Be very <laughs> afraid of this game today. You you kept saying it was going to be easy, and I kept thinking well, it should be. Although you know, admittedly, uh, JB, <laughs> the audience can know this. We are speaking here at eleven thirty on Saturday morning. So the first quarter is about to come to an end. Illinois is up seven to nothing. And they are at Minnesota's 24-yard line, <laughs> yes. so they are in plus territory. Yes. And so Illinois is running the ball right down Minnesota's throat so far. So <laughs> maybe this game, maybe I should have looked at Brett Bielema's history <laughs> against the Gophers. Maybe I'm the idiot, J.B., suggesting that this would have been an easy game. And there's Illinois converting a third and five on a pass play. They barely have passed so far yet. Right. They go to the air. They complete a key third down. So Illinois is marching. This is not a good start for the Gophers. 
be ah. <laughs> I forgot this I, no I didn't forget I wanted to say be very afraid because uh Mr. Bielema is in town, and when he coached at Wisconsin, he owned us to the point that he. Oh, dro- I know. Oh, he trust drove- me. I mean, he owned Brewster. He owned yeah. Kill. Trust me, I, I, I don't forget those games. I really don't, JB. <laughs> and I remember Illinois just a couple weeks ago winning at Penn State, so I realized all that. But I also heard Bielema about three, four weeks ago. You know, pretty much slam his entire team, saying he doesn't have many. Right. Team type players. He's got a roster full of backups. He was slamming the roster that Lovey Smith left him, and so maybe I was eating up those words more than I should have. Maybe I should have looked more at Illinois going to Penn State and winning. Also, looking at the Gophers' recent history in November. When's the last time the Gophers had a really good November? It's been a right. long time, very long right? time. So maybe I should have. Maybe I should have. You know, thought about all those <laughs> things, right? Maybe we. Shouldn't be talking about, you know, the possibility of the Gophers ending up in Indianapolis in a month playing for, for the Big Ten Championship. I'm also well aware, by the way, that, that Flex's record uh, leading the Gophers when trailing at the half is not good, although he did get a win this year, right, when right. trailing at the half. He finally got one win in that regard, but now it's like, what, 1-18, 1-17 when trailing at the half? Right. But at this rate, the first quarter is now over. Uh, it might be hard for them to be winning this game at the half. So I'm aware <laughs> I'm aware of all that, JB. Uh, yeah, this would be a bad loss, a real bad loss. Not well, as bad as Bowling Green. But there was a little bit of momentum heading into today. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, find a way to win today. I think there would be a lot of Gophers excitement next week heading yes. into that Iowa game. I really believe that. But you lose today, <laughs> oh, that goes all out the window. Nobody and... will care about the Gophers for the next week. Right, and Pat will have a field day. <laughs> oh, got you. Oh, well, Pat already does. I mean, right. Bowling Green, Bowling Green, since winning here, they've been embarrassed in a bunch of games. They finally <laughs> won a game last week, but on social media, on Twitter specifically, Patrick has had a lot of fun with, with all the Bowling Green scores the last few weeks. Bowling Green just getting their ass kicked. Uh, trust me, uh, Patrick loves it. He... Uh, this is this is a juicy storyline so far for Mr. Royce. Well, uh, and when uh, Brett Bielema made the comments about his ball club, uh, Nadine Babu um, took him yeah, to task on Twitter. Yeah, she's yeah, she t- yeah, she took him to Twitter for doing that. And uh, yeah. former, uh, who was a friend of mine, an actual, he's a. Uh, former golfer player and a St. Louis recruit, but not only St. Louis recruit, but a JB recruit. Ed, uh, <laughs> um, I call him Big Ed, but um, oh, Ed Harthorn. Ed, yeah, Ed Harthorn. Yeah. Uh, also agreed with her, and I, <laughs> I tweeted back. He was just trying to motivate his team, and that week they won, <laughs> and I t- kind of took. Patrick's needle and, and kind of pricked those two with it by saying, yeah. see, he was only out to motivate. And it was like, well, this is a lousy way of doing this. Like, mm, sometimes you got to reach him in different ways. So, <laughs> uh, Let's not forget, too, Patrick has been jaded by covering Gophers football for a really long time. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, he had plenty of disdain for Tim Brewster and many other coaches. Right. So it's not like PJ is is unique to oh no to you know Royce's thoughts. Oh no, and being a former student manager, going and go for football, going back to the Joe Salem days, and um, I had uh, matter of fact. Dan Burrell does his show on Sunday called his Sunday Sermons and oh. I called in to uh, give a history lesson of the 84 13 uh, loss to Nebraska because oh, I was oh, the head student yeah. manager for that game oh. and my boss rest his soul Dick Matson, left me on the field to run the show at half <laughs> at halftime or right before halftime and said he had enough he was going upstairs which meant he was going upstairs to have a few couple of drinks to get through the rest of the day <laughs> so Illinois touchdown by the way JT. oh jesus a brilliant play action <laughs> the tight end was wide open joe rossi's defense has been really good this year but joe rossi's defense so far today atrocious it's about to be 14 nothing Illini. Well, like I said, be deathly afraid of <laughs> Brett Bielema. I just... Well, I am now <laughs> at a, at a two-score deficit. One score, not as much, but a two-score deficit, 14 mm-hmm. nothing. I am. I am absolutely afraid. I am, I am having bad Bielema <laughs> nightmares right now. Well, to finish, finish up this, or end this podcast, Doogie, um... I just want to say that I I have enjoyed your work from your time at the when they used to sing the jingle the fan <laughs> to now. Well, JB, you're the one. I appreciate it. Your check is in the mail. <laughs> Why well, that that would be fine. But yes, um, it's all. I've always enjoyed your work here in town. I've enjoyed our conversations, and um, you know, you've one of the people. You and Bob Sansevier, who covers sports in this town, who knew my background and respected my background and never put me on blast or anything like that, or asked me to divulge anything that I knew, and I've always appreciated that. Well, you got it. And, and there's always going to be a mutual respect. I mean, I, you know, living and breathing it, I mean, I realize how hard it can be to work in sports. And so. You know, and I realize the importance of everybody, right? And, and you know, I've, I've been taught from, from an early age, JB, you know, treat others as you want to be treated. You know, and so I, I do my best. I'm not always perfect, uh, but I do my best to, to live by, by that motto. But it's also a fun time. Like, I don't take for granted, you know, just how enjoyable it is to cover sports here in the Twin Cities. Even though, you know, we're, we're yearning, we're starving for a champion, yeah, uh, there's just so many options. I mean, I was over at St. Thomas women's basketball practice a few days ago. They open up on Wednesday at Wisconsin, not Wisconsin Stevens Point or Wisconsin River Falls, mm-hmm. Wisconsin Madison, right? Like just St. Thomas. <laughs> you know, we the Twin Cities finally having a second Division One program. Like I love that, right? St. Cloud is in our viewing area. You know, I say it all the time. We don't do a good enough job. We at Hubbard Broadcasting covering St. Cloud State. You know, we were up there at hockey practice a few weeks ago. Uh, we have a feature story that we'll have on the air on, on Brodzinski's comeback from from a, a really harsh leg injury, you know, back at the NCAA tournament. You know, and, and so we tried to do some stuff. We, we hung out with the men's hockey team the week that they played the Gophers. But, like, we can do a better job. You know, they are, you know, 
right now, what are they, one or two in the country, men's hockey-wise? Like, we can do more. Right. Uh, just, it's so hard. We, we only have so many resources. There's three of us on air. We have two photojournalists and one full-time producer. And so we get stretched very thin, but we do our best. Like, trust me, I'm very cognizant Wednesday is National Signing Day for just about every sport except for except for football. And so right. we've laid out a plan, right? Like, Chris Long, you know, God love him. He is going to be at Park Center High School on Wednesday morning at 7 a.m., you know, so he can get video and do an interview with Braden Carrington, the basketball player, who's a part of Ben Johnson's first real yes. recruiting class as Gophers coach. And mm-hmm. so we're trying to be on top of everything, but Wednesday is also a really busy Vikings day, right? And so... You can only be at so many places at once, but I'm just telling you, as, as long as I'm at Channel 5, I can promise you, uh, we are going to, to do our best. We'll be as omnipresent as we can be, because I'm telling you, I do not, I can't stress this enough, I do not take for granted how fortunate, how lucky I am, how lucky we are to do what we do. Well, that means it would be a big day for go for softball also, so don't forget Keep an eye on C. You know this. I mean, when you were there, uh, <laughs> right. of all the TV stations, you know, and Channel Nine does a good job getting out and about. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike Max has has you know to use a, a fleckism, an elite work ethic. So Channel Four is going to be out and about a decent amount too. But uh, I'd like to think now it helps you know proximity that we're just oh, yeah. right up the street. But I think you could say, in all fairness, that of all the local TV stations, we Channel Five uh, during your time there were at softball more than the others. Well, now you made me think of two more questions. Uh, one is, this is going to be a rough year for Ben Johnson, you would think. It is. But yeah, do it will you, be. But do you think he's doing a better job already uh, local recruiting than, uh, uh, as I always called him, Little Richard did <laughs> and, uh, in his time here? Yes. Well, I mean, I can tell you based on the number of coaches high school aau that i correspond with i was over at totino grace high school a few weeks ago nick carroll uh the great coach at totino has a number of division one players so it helps that he's got all this division one talent on his team but you know the amount of times that ben johnson and dave thorson have been in the gym for open gym at totino grace uh already here in just a few months uh blows richard patino's recruiting away and so it doesn't guarantee that you're going to get a lot of these kids, but I can promise you from a work ethic standpoint, uh, Dave Thorson, Ben Johnson, the other assistant coaches are going to be relentless on the recruiting front. I do think they have a good chance to land Tayson Chapman, the really good guard from Totino Gray's class of 2023, who's got a number of offers. He's a top 50 type player in the class of 2023 nationally. That's just one example, but I do think Ben and Dave are going to take local recruiting to another level. And oh, by the way, that doesn't guarantee wins. But I do think you will see more local kids stay home over the next few years. I I have a lot of confidence in that. And the last one was, uh, what effect St. Thomas being a D1 program will have on the Gophers? Well, I hope at some point... And it sounds like we may get a men's hockey game in early January, more an exhibition, not a regular season game. But then we'll see men's hockey connect. Uh, women's hockey is going to connect. I know volleyball connected a few weeks ago. I'd like to see men's and women's basketball connect. Like I think about next year, you know, Sarah Scalia, her younger sister Amber, 
will be a freshman at St. Thomas next year, so I'd love to see the Scalia sisters battle next year, but I get where Lindsey Whalen and Ben Johnson are coming from, that if they, you know, if they lose the game yep. to St. Thomas, <laughs> they'll never hear the end of it. And so there's not a whole lot of good that can come from playing St. Thomas if you're Ben Johnson and Lindsey Whalen, but I'd like to think that, that basketball-wise, we can see some games in the future. Maybe it's a few years away, but we'll see hockey, we'll see volleyball, uh, we'll see some of the other sports for sure. Uh, I don't think it'll have a huge impact recruiting-wise. Like, how many kids are real crossovers? Right? Like, Braden Carrington is a high-major Division One recruit. Right? Mm-hmm. He's not uh, mid-major. He's not St. Thomas. Now, a Johnny Lee from Totino Grace going to St. Thomas, he did at one point have Gophers interest. He had Kansas interest. He had Iowa interest. But at the time of his commitment a few weeks ago to Johnny Tower in St. Thomas, he did not have committable offers to those schools. And so I just don't think there's going to be a lot of crossover with a lot of the a lot of the sports where, you know, a player is, is, is thinking, okay, uh, should I be a mid-major or a high-major player? Like, to me, there's going to be a difference. Like, if you're a high-major player, 98% of the time you're going to take the high-major offer. And there's a lot of kids that just aren't quite high-major recruits. Now, I think they can be eventually. Uh, there's a kid from Easteridge. Uh, Kendall Blue, who I think is a really good player. I think he's high major caliber, but uh, he committed to St. Thomas. And I think a Johnny Lee has a chance to be a really, really good Summit League player. Like, I think he's going to be a really good player this year for Totino Grace. I think uh, he could be a high major player eventually. But right now, he's a mid-major player. And so, I just think a lot of the mid-major players are only going to have St. Thomas as an offer. They're not going to have to decide between St. Thomas and and Minnesota. Well, here's a, here's a fearful thing for coaches of like schools at like St. Thomas. You grab those those kids you just talked about, you develop them, and now they start to think I want to play higher and and they go to a bigger place like Minnesota or, you know, Michigan State or whatnot. I, I hear more and more of those colleges at the well, lower I mean, the portal. Like, the portal isn't slowing down, though, right, JB? No. So, no. To me, if if a player is good enough to go mid-major to high-major, that means he did a bunch of really good stuff, you know, at the mid-major level, right? So let's take, for example, by the way, it looks like the Gophers just got stopped in a fourth and one, JB. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, JB. Well, oh. Here, here, here's, here's another stat, too frustrates you this college season has been so wacky somewhere i think it's close to 60 ranked teams have lost to unranked teams this year oh i know (laughs) and the reason you hear the angst in my voice i try to be as unbiased as possible but this is my alma mater right mine too enjoy covering a winner right the worst thing from my standpoint is covering you know a team stuck in middle purgatory kind of like the vikings by the way uh, but I like covering either a really bad team or a really good team. And so with the Gophers being in a position entering today to win the Big Ten West, I love that storyline. So, yes, I'm being I'm being selfish and biased in that regard, but I want to cover a winning, a real winner in college football. They were good in 2019, but they've yet to win the West. I thought this right. could be the year. Maybe it still can be the year. Uh, I don't want to be, you know... Uh, knee-jerk, you know, hyperbole and all that just because they're down two scores here in the first half against Illinois. They can still maybe be uh, the West champion, but I want to cover 
I, I really do. I want to cover a winner. But I'm just telling you, back to the back to the portal. Like, you know, if a Johnny Lee, you know, hypothetically in two years is good enough to make the jump, St. Thomas, to a high major, that probably means he's helped John Tower and the Tommies win a bunch of games. Mm-hmm. And so I still think there's some win to that. It would be unfortunate if he ends up switching schools. Uh, but to me, if, if he's in a position to switch schools, he's done a lot of good. Well, and just remember this about the Timberwolves. And when I asked you about their model a couple of years ago, I was trying to get to the point of their model now should be, we be bricking. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not a big uh, even NBA I'm fan. This up. Even my seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. God is my witness. My seven-year-old. Now, he might have heard another fan in our section yell it. But my seven-year-old, he watches enough basketball. He was even saying last night as we're sitting there, stop shooting threes. <laughs> stop shooting threes. I mean, it was it was dribble, one pass, and then Malik Beasley oftentimes or somebody else mm-hmm. would just jack up a three. Attack the hoop. There wasn't any cutting last night. There was no... There was nothing innovative about the offense and, last night. And There's got to be some innovation to the offense. Chris Finch knows how to coach offense. Show us that innovation. But I'm telling you, last night was just a train wreck. It just it was so much hero ball. It really was, and it was really hard to watch. And, you know, they go up from, you know, up 20, 49, 29 to losing by 20. That's really hard to do. Yeah. Uh, when, when, when you only score, what did they end up scoring? 80-something points? Uh, that's a really that's a really tough swing to pull off. Up twenty to losing by twenty when you only score eighty something points. Well, and you're talking to a person. His first ever team sport was uh, grade school basketball. Yeah. From my Catholic grade school to um, now not being able to even watch the the barely watching the college game and I can't even watch the NBA and it's because of the three point shot and. And the you know the lack of taking the easy two or the layup just drives me insane. So I I can't watch the NBA anymore. So well, I can't fault you, but I don't think college is going to be much different. Uh, I think a lot of college coaches subscribe to the idea that that corner three is the best shot to take on the court. And so, however you can you can draw plays to to get good looks or open looks from the corner three. Uh, that that's a higher percentage shot than than anywhere else on the court. If you can get three points for that shot compared to two for other shots, you know I'm just telling you. Uh, I'm 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 hearing what you're selling me. Uh, although I think it's still a really really hard game to officiate. I mean I think basketball is the toughest game to officiate, and so that becomes a slippery slope with you know what's a foul, what's not a foul, and does that boggle the game down if if a ref is whistle happy and and guys are you know, getting to the free throw line possession after possession, it really slows the game down. But I'm just telling you, a lot of coaches want that corner three. And I just, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. All right, Doogie, I'm going to let you go and let you enjoy or try to enjoy your Saturday, depending on our, what our team does today. But uh, Yeah, I'll I, do my best. <laughs> i got to go pick up the older son from practice here in a little bit. Right. And i got to head into Channel 5 and... And I'll anchor the uh, the nine and ten o'clock sports tonight. Chris Long is at a wedding tonight, so Uh-oh. I'll fill in for him. Yeah. Uh, the good thing about working a Saturday is with college football on ABC, we mm-hmm. don't have a five or six o'clock news, so I can head in later in the day. So, right. Uh, that makes the day a little bit more manageable. But yeah, 
if this gopher score continues the way it is, I am going to be depressed. There's, <laughs> there's no denying that. All right. Well, thanks a lot for coming on my podcast, and um, this has actually been very fun. So. Well, you got it, JB. Anytime. I appreciate you extending the offer. Yeah. I know you've had a lot of success with the podcast. I was, I was eagerly awaiting the uh, the opportunity to hop on. So I'm glad our schedules could match up. I appreciate you having me. All right. Take care, man. Okay. Take it easy, JB. Yeah. Bye bye. And that was Darren Doogie Wilson and Channel Five Score North, the Scoops Podcast, here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Negro, black, African American, black, black, black. Django, JB. Damn, Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know JB, our great Negro sex machine.